Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers, thank you for joining us on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their stories, conquer their fears so they can reach their goals, but I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what inspires me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Sasha Exeter. She's a social media influencer and creator of the lifestyle brand and blog, So Sasha, where she shares her refreshing approach to wellness, fashion, travel, and life as a mother. And as a former elite athlete, she still considers fitness to be a passion of hers and credits exercise and diet to saving her life after being diagnosed with two chronic illnesses. And what makes her most proud is being a role model to her baby girl, Maxwell, and being able to inspire people to make fitness a part of their lives. She's been featured in Fashion Magazine, Variety, Best Health Magazine, Toronto Life, and Today's Parent. So please welcome to the show, Sasha Exeter. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. I'm super excited. So let's get going. <laughs> so before I jump into the questions, I just want everyone to know how much your story has been requested. I've had so many women reach out to me begging to hear your story, begging to want to know more about Sasha. So I am just beyond grateful that we are at this point where we're having this conversation. I'm really overwhelmed by that. That actually really surprises me. I'm happy for the opportunity to kind of dig a little bit deeper because I did share a little bit, as you know, about the breakup last year, the end of the year. But I tried to keep it as, you know, I tried to keep it as clean as possible. But Mm -hmm. I feel like today we'll be able to get down and dirty into deeper (laughs) parts of the story. (laughs) And I can only imagine, and you know, I'll, I'll ask you more about it later, but I can only imagine as someone who is a social influencer, your life is out there. People kind of vicariously live through you. And I agree, like yourself, you know, I share little bits of things, but I do keep some things private. And I know that, you know, we had breakups around the same time and women were just really, I'm going to say shocked by it. So they're also inspired at how we've been able to continue and carry through. So they want to know how we're able to do so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. This is, like I said, a requested interview and they've sent a couple of questions in. So <laughs> let's okay. see if we can give them some answers. <laughs> so I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because I believe that as women, we have so many different hats that we wear on a daily basis. You're a mom and you're a social media influencer and you're a blogger and you're doing all these different things. But I feel that a title that's not given enough significance is our name because our names have meaning. And every time someone says your name, they're affirming or declaring who you are. So my first question to you, Sasha, is do you know what your name means? I do. Um, My name actually means strength. Love it. Um, Right? My name also is Russian. Uh, my great grandmother is Russian. So in English, my name is Alexandra. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think my mom, when she saw me, she knew I was going to be a very strong individual. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's funny. My name, Makini, is Swahili for strength of character. 
stop it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, you know how every name with different meanings or different, uh, I'm going to say different languages can have different meanings. So when I had first Googled Sasha, it means defender of mankind. I can't remember what Oh, language I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So I love strength, yes, and I love defender of mankind. So either or, whenever someone I says your that. name, they're I'm, affirming I'm that. I'm rolling with that now. I'm rolling with that now. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so I would love to know, I guess we'll go backwards before we go forward. What did you want to be when you were a little girl? This is a good question and also a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Um, which is going to force me to get a little bit real about my upbringing. Mm-hmm. I struggled a lot as a child. I was, I guess, protege, as I guess maybe some people may call it, but I was a former tennis player, as you know. I basically did exactly what my parents wanted me to do. My parents wanted me to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I studied pre-law first when I was attending Indiana State University, and I was expected to... Um, also minor in political science and then go on to law school and become this amazing corporate lawyer. That was not at all what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. If I think if I think back to early years, as young as I can remember, I would say about eight or nine years old. This is weird because I never talk about this. I actually wanted to like work with cars. Mm. I wasn't quite sure. I was very interested about what goes on under the hood. So being a mechanic was something of interest. Awesome. And I also had a passion for fast cars from a very early age. And I was very much, I could tell you every make and model of every car and was really into Porsche. And 911, wow. 9-11 to be exact. Um, so I could have maybe had wanted to be a car racer, like Danica Patrick or something like that. That is anyway. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, so random, right? I love but it. As a, as a, as a good little girl, I, I did what my parents told me to do. And I, I look up to them. They're like my idols and my heroes mm-hmm. um, and went down that path. But uh, I mean, we'll probably touch on this a little bit later. I kind of diverted my educational studies and left pre-law and political science and went into international business and then ended up going into the corporate world after that. I find it interesting. So there's a lot of women who go into careers because that's what their parents wanted them to do or someone else wanted to do like they were expected to do that it wasn't something they were passionate about and then obviously that because that's not something that you're passionate about you don't end up staying in that field for a long time like how did that make you feel about that career going into that because that was what your parents wanted well there wasn't a love there wasn't a passion there and um to be honest i would say until i was in my late 20s I don't feel like I was living an authentic life, mm-hmm. which is probably why I'm overcompensating for that now. And like right. to share and talk so much about my life and feel, I feel like I'm empowered and I feel like I'm in control. In mm-hmm. control, but back then I, I did not. I was kind of just going through the motions, so to speak. It's not really the life to live. It's not an enjoyable experience. Right. You're not waking up happy every day. Definitely not fulfilled every day. Absolutely. I agree with that a thousand percent. The women that come to me for coaching, the very first session we do is we actually sit down and 
dig deep into what their goals are. And is that a goal that's actually their goal, something that they're passionate about, Mm -hmm. something that they desire to do? Or is it something that is someone else's, you know, something that they've been expected to do from a parent or someone else on the outside? So I love that you shared that. I'm even more fascinated on the car stuff, (laughs) but I don't even want to take too much time to go there. But I just love (laughs) that you're into cars. (laughs) Have you even thought about maybe as a side hustle (laughs) pursuing that? Well, you know what? It's funny. Like there were a few years um, since I started my blog where I did focus a lot on automotive content. Mm -hmm. I've worked with Porsche. I've worked with Mercedes-Benz. I've worked with Cadillac and the rest of the General Motors family. I had like an exclusive contract with Buick actually for two years. Mm-hmm. I've worked with Jaguar. I've worked with Land Rover. Um, but I would love, and that's probably like one of my goals for 2020 and beyond to actually secure another luxury car contract. I do actually really enjoy doing that. Love it. Okay. So share with us what inspired you to start your lifestyle brand. A very long story. I think my story is very different than a lot of the content creators and bloggers around today. I feel like a lot of people start their website looking to monetize it and make it a business right away. And that definitely was not how I started. Mm -hmm. I was in the corporate world and very successful at a very young age, making a lot of money. I had a very structured and detailed career path and I was set on that. I was diagnosed with a kidney disease in 2000 while I was attending Howard University on a tennis scholarship. Mm-hmm. I was pretty ill. I had taken about a year and a half off school, ended up going back, graduated with honors, got an amazing job. And in 2009, so but yeah, five years after I graduated, I relapsed and got very ill and was hospitalized for about a year and a half. I was on wow. bed rest for almost, for almost two years. During that time, being that ill, I also was, had developed fibromyalgia, which is a chronic pain condition. I have it as well, girl. Are you kidding me? We're twins. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I was diagnosed in 2006. I'm, basi- I'm basically speaking to myself right now. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. <laughs> Okay, so you already know. So, you know, um, having the kidney issues, suffering from chronic pain, that also led to depression. That Mm -hmm. also led to anxiety. That also led to insomnia and a bunch of other things. I was off work. My job then became to get healthy. I was fighting a long-term insurance claim through my employer. I decided that I wasn't going to fight that anymore. I decided that I was going to take a step back from traditional medicine and seeing my special, like my kidney specialist and my pain specialist, I decided that I was going to basically take my health into my own hands. And I created a, a team of seven practitioners that were not general practitioners of any kind and started delving into Reiki practice and osteopathy and had a, a naturopath and nutritionist and spent the better part of a year trying to get back on track after being told I would never have an active and healthy lifestyle ever Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. I was on so much medication at the time. I felt like I was basically in a coma and I was a shell of who I once was. And I was at rock bottom and I thought, you know what? I've lost everything. I was engaged. I lost, like I had broken up with my partner and I had to move back in with my parents. And I said, Mm -hmm. this is the time. 
this is the time. I need to stand up for myself. I need to live a life that's for me. I have to be on a path that's created for me by me. So I, you know, that was the pretty much the catalyst. And once I started to get myself in a healthier place, a few people had reached out to me and they're like, why are you not writing about this? And this was now about 2011. And I just thought, (laughs) it's so funny. I thought at that time that the market was already saturated. (laughs) (laughs) Not even close to what it is today. But I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I feel like I'm like leading the game and why would anyone want to hear what I have to say? I'm like not interesting at all. I'm just, I'm just Sasha. But uh, I finally got the guts to start my site and it launched October 2012. That being said, it probably would not have been feasible had I not had the support of my parents because I was so ill I wasn't working. Right. So I had no, inco- I had no income. I was fiscally very responsible so I did have quite a bit of savings but that was being eaten away very quickly by seeing chiropractors three times a week and seeing yep. nutritionists and doing all these things as you know um, so if I didn't have that supportive infrastructure I think it would have been pretty hard to get this thing off the ground because from day one I made it a big point to invest in terms of like videography and photography Mm-hmm. I didn't put any corners there. So I had to invest in myself before brands and agencies would invest in me. Right. I mean, first of all, I'm sorry that all of that had to happen to you. And I feel like someone as someone else is telling my story right now. Like, mm-hmm. and this is the beauty of sharing our stories because oftentimes women will sit in their situation feeling like, Nobody understands my hurt. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody feels what I'm feeling. Exactly. But then hearing your story, hearing the story of all the women that have come on and shared their adversities, realizing we're not alone. There is so much that we can learn from someone else's story. We, We can resonate with, even if it's just a part of it, but you're talking and I'm like, Oh my God, I went through that. Oh my God, I went through that too. Holy crap. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm just like, wow, I'm almost speechless. When you mentioned a while ago that you were diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I know I jumped in and said, me too. I didn't get, give you a chance to kind of break down what it is. So for those of you listening, it is chronic pain. It is dealing with a whole ton of other symptoms and it's the soft muscle tissue. It also comes with a lot of insomnia because you don't go into that REM sleep. So your body doesn't feel rested. You know, you could sleep for 12 hours and wake up exhausted. Um, It comes with a list of other uh, health issues. And part of the side effect for a lot of people with chronic pain is depression and anxiety because your body is constantly in fight or flight. You're constantly worrying about what's going to happen to you. You know, everything around you kind of seems so unsure, especially when you're in pain all the time. And I used to try to explain this to people till I got tired of it. And for those who are listening, imagine how you feel sore when you have the flu and you're tired and you're lethargic. Imagine feeling like that all the time. All the time. All the time. But people see you and they see you still doing stuff. So they forget that you have this autoimmune disorder and they will say, oh, well, you're not sick. You're fine. You still went to the gym or you're not sick. You're fine. We still seen you at that, that event. It's like 
it's not a visible thing. So people forget that and you I have it. And what, when, what makes it so challenging because it's not something yes. that people can see. And yes. not a lot of people suffer from it, whereas everyone has known someone that, you know, suffered or dealt with cancer. So it's a lot mm-hmm. easier for people to relate to that. But yeah. it is challenging to really get people to understand this whole chronic pain thing. Absolutely. And when you were speaking about being on the ton of different medications, I went through a period in my life where I was having flare-ups for two years straight. And I mm-hmm. was basically in bed six out of seven days a week and nobody knew anything. And during that time, I actually had a car accident. So I was in physio three times a week (laughs) when I was already seeing a chiropractor and specialist for the fibromyalgia. So like you said, it gets expensive because not all these things are covered. They're not covered. These are things that you pay out of pocket by cash. And like yourself, thank God I had been good with savings where I could afford to pay for these doctor visits and all these things. And I had to make the decision to literally wean myself off of all the medications. I had to wean myself Mm. off of Lyrica. Like (laughs) I totally get everything that you're saying. Did you ever try cannabis or CBD? Yes, I did. And it provided temporary, uh, temporary relief. I was, I I tried the CBD oil, but it was so temporary that I, I don't know if my body just got immune to it. I don't know, but it wasn't enough. And in 2017, I had someone who gave me some natural supplements to try. And I thought that they were originally just trying to get me into their network marketing business. I wasn't really interested, but it was naturopath approved. It was, um, you know, Health Canada approved with all natural fruits and vegetables and all kinds of things in there. And I saw a result in the first four days and thought, maybe I was losing my mind. I was like, I was so used to being in pain for so long that I was like, is this real? <laughs> yeah. And I, I've been on that for almost two and a half years now. I was once that person that was even dependent on Advil because the headaches and, and things that I, I just couldn't, I couldn't function without it. It was like candy. I was popping Advil every two hours. I have not had to have any Advil in over two years. I don't take any form of medication. It's it's done wonders, the natural things for me. It's allowed me to go to the gym. It's allowed me to be physically active. It's allowed me to do the things that they said, like you said, I would never be able to do. Right. So you said that you were you were dating someone at the time and then that didn't work out. And I've had a lot of women who suffer from chronic illnesses tell me that they have issues having long-lasting relationships. And I'm starting to wonder if it's partly because when you're dealing with all these health issues, you know, the people who are close to you, um, who see you on a daily basis, your caregivers and what have you, as much as you are the one experiencing everything, they can't even handle watching what you're experiencing. I'm just wondering if you've found that commonality this relationship was not a relationship that just ended last year this was a relationship several years ago mm-hmm. but when i entered that relationship i was not in a chronic crisis in terms okay. of my medical condition okay. so he had he had met me kind of at my best kind of at the top of my game so he mm-hmm. met me before the relapse right so he knew one one facet of fascia. He knew the fun fascia, the spontaneous fascia, the sexually driven fascia, mm-hmm. um, the funny fascia, the one that liked to party fascia, right? Yep. And then that's the person that he fell in love with. And as I got more ill, the disease started to chip away at me. So the person right. I guess he had fallen in love with had started to disappear. 
and I became a completely different person. And as you know, like suffering from things like anxiety and depression, those are very serious things. And I started to withdraw myself quite considerably Mm -hmm. and pull away. And um, I think in an adult romantic relationship, I do feel like intimacy plays a big role in that. Mm -hmm. And when you're suffering from that amount of pain, you're not really in the mood for any of that kind of stuff. Right. So that plays, I think, a pivotal role on our split as well. Mm-hmm. I can completely relate to you on that. So like you mentioned, we, we both had breakups at the end of 2019. And that partner had met me when I was at my best, at my highest you know, I was traveling the world. I was doing book signings all over the place. I felt great. I was in a different headspace. And when we first started dating, I let him know that I have fibromyalgia and I do have times where I go through severe anxiety and depression. And he was like, okay, no problem. That's fine. Just let me know, you know, what that looks like and how I can support and what you need from me. And I had to have surgery February, 2019. I had to have a hysterectomy and, um, I had a ton of complications after that. And the severity of the depression and anxiety that kicked in, he was like, I didn't sign up for this. And I remember hearing him say that, but it's like, you know, someone says something to you, it's like you bank that and you're like, I don't think I heard you say that, but I heard you say that. And I was not the person that he originally met. I was going through something. You know, I was waking up every morning wondering if I was going to (laughs) live, much less the pain that I was in. So when he left, that was so unexpected. And the way in which he left was beyond unexpected. So one of the questions that the listeners asked me to ask you (laughs) is, what did that teach you? What did your breakup in 2019 teach you? Okay, yeah. So that was a very different breakup because... The first breakup we were just talking about, I was much younger. Mm. Um, actually, it was almost a decade earlier. So this breakup taught me a lot of things. I think one of the most important lessons that I learned, which I think this is Oprah said this several times over the years, that people can only, they can't meet you halfway. They can only meet you where they're at. Right. That rings true to me for so many reasons. And I just felt like, I'm going to try to choose my words very carefully here because I want to respect my ex as well, but I also want to call a spade a spade and tell the story how it is. Absolutely. I felt very alone in a relationship and I felt like I was given 150% every single day and was just gutted knowing that that person was giving me less than 10%. Mm. And it was exhausting, overcompensating, and feeling like I was the only one in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And it caused a lot of insecurities with myself because I thought, you know, I'm bringing all these things to the table, or I thought I was. Mm -hmm. Why is this guy not loving me for who I am? I'm attractive. I'm intelligent. I am funny. I think I'm funny. (laughs) Anyway. I'm a great partner. I'm an amazing support system for the people around me. I have become a mother to his child and I feel like I'm an excellent mom. And I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong mm-hmm. with me? Not thinking that, that maybe there's something wrong with him. Right. And as much as I kept compromising and trying to meet some sort of middle ground, he just could not 
or would not meet me there. And I felt that he was purposely choosing not to do so. Right. Whereas now that I've reflected back, he just did not have the cap- the capacity to do that. Right. So where he was at and the things that he was dealing with, if that makes sense. Wow. I have goosebumps as you say that. Whew, girl. <laughs> I have goosebumps for two reasons. So one, where you said that you were giving 100% and felt like he was giving 10%. Girl, I had to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I had to learn a long time ago that our full effort is not the same as someone else giving their full effort. So what you said about he was giving what he had the capacity to give, we would look at their effort as 10%, not knowing that inside they feel like they are giving a hundred percent. They're not, they're not there. I've had to but learn. No girl, he knew he wasn't giving a hundred, 10%. Mm. He knew he wasn't giving me what I deserved in the energy. He just didn't have the capacity to do that because mm-hmm. of where he was at mentally. Right. The challenges he was facing and the demons he was facing. Right. Okay. Okay. That's big too, because you know we've all got our own demons to deal with, and sometimes our demons can't handle the demons of our partner. I've heard many people that have broken up for those same reasons. They're like, "Yeah, I love you. I love you to bits, but I can't deal." And one thing I always say about relationships is the whole eighty twenty rule, where if I feel like okay, eighty percent of you is great, then I can live with the twenty percent of your crap. But a lot of people feel that their partner's 20%, they can't live with. They can't. They don't have the capacity to live with that based on what they're dealing with inside or their yeah. past or their history. Wow. I made a post today on Instagram about don't make your expectations my truth. That's not fair. Don't put that on me. Originally, when I, I made that post, it was coming from thinking about the relationship because he came in with expectations. He didn't communicate those expectations to me. And because I didn't live up to those expectations, because I was ill very much 50% of our relationship, he was upset and angry. And he seems very resentful. And it's like, mm, that's not fair. I have, I have a question for you. Has, has having fibromyalgia and dealing with chronic pain and a chronic illness, has that caused some sort of insecurity within you in terms of relationships or going into another relationship? Yes. How do I say this? Based on how my last relationship ended, I almost feel like I'm dealing with the form of PTSD right now. I'm a little traumatized. <laughs> um, so <Fair. laughs> I'm, I'm being real. I'm being real. <laughs> and the thought of getting to know someone new and having them understand my struggle with fibromyalgia, my struggle with anxiety and depression, my struggle with my hypersensitivities, my my struggles, and feeling like they are not going to do the same thing that the last one did, where he said, yeah, it's cool, no problem, I can deal with this, and then peace out the second they get a chance. Do <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I am big on being authentic and transparent. But I feel like right now, and I never want to become that person, but right now in this very moment, I'm a little scared to be vulnerable with someone new because I don't feel safe. I understand that. Yeah. What about you? Well, I was going to say, I understand that. But at the same time, I think 
you owe it to yourself to live your truth because you want whoever you're going to be with next, they need to love you for you, Mm -hmm. all of you. So you can put all that information out there and give them everything that they need to know. I mean, we really, at the end of the day, we can't control other people. Right. Right. But I feel like by not being completely truthful and upfront about the situation, then could lead to more problems. Mm -hmm. At least Mm -hmm. if you're giving someone all the information up front, then they're in a position where they can actually choose and make a decision. Absolutely. But it's tough. Like, it's tough. I definitely, after my first engagement broke up 10 years ago, it took me a really long time to start dating again. Mm-hmm. I was so insecure. I felt like I looked at my illnesses as like a weakness. Mm-hmm. I felt that, you know, I wasn't bringing enough to the table. But I've reframed and reprogrammed that this is what it is. This is who I am. And I think you probably feel the same way that you're doing whatever you can on a daily basis to live your best life, right? Absolutely. And that's and all you can do. I look at and I, obviously, you know, social media shows everyone's highlight reel. So I don't know behind the scenes, but even from what I see in terms of what you're doing with businesses and brands and collaborations and with your daughter, we can look at your social media or my social media. And I can tell you as women who are dealing with uh, chronic pain and, and chronic disorders, we are doing way more than people who are perfectly healthy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm doing what I'm doing. I think that that was a catalyst for me actually pivoting my content, pivoting my blog to more about lifestyle and health and wellness, because that's not what it was when I first launched it in 2012. Right. It was, right. It was more frivolous. It was more beauty and, and a little bit of health, um, a lot of fashion. But the more I started opening up about my own health challenges and how I overcame those things with diet and exercise and medicinal marijuana and cannabis use, mm-hmm. people seemed way more interested in that. Yes, and they could relate. That you, they could, and some people couldn't relate, but they also found it inspiring because they were like, well, I'm healthy and functioning. How is this girl doing all of this shit? Right. And right. she's suffering the way she's suffering every single day. And I know you mentioned, you know, social media is like the highlight reel. And I, and I do, for the most part, believe that. But I try my best to, when I do have flare-ups, I do talk about it a lot. I share mm-hmm. more probably on my Instagram stories than stories, anywhere yep. else. This yeah. is easiest to do that. But I do bring my phone in and videotape like my physio and show people exactly like how I'm treating, doing manual treatments. And I talk about my cannabis use and like I credit my health today to cannabis mm-hmm. um, like you I was on so many medications and nothing was working for me but just making me sicker mm-hmm. giving me more symptoms but there's a fine line because I could be in a five-week flare-up situation but do I want to be talking about that every single day bring it five you weeks. Know, yeah right so I try to interject it when I feel like it's appropriate Mm -hmm. And I love that, how you give them in real time through your stories, what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, I do the same as well, especially just after the breakup where I was actually suffering from like panic attacks and anxiety attacks and like the depression started to hit in and I had to literally pull myself out of it. And I started talking about that on my stories and women were like, oh my God, thank you so much for your transparency. 
And I started getting a flood of messages from women, you know, talking about their breakups and them suffering with anxiety and the things that they're dealing with. And people were just able to connect on a deeper level outside of the pretty pictures and quotes on Instagram. When I released the one year anniversary episode of the podcast back in October, I decided to transparently share how I got through the last year of podcasting. And that was after my surgery when I couldn't leave my house. I couldn't even leave my bed, but I was recording podcasts from my bed and editing and producing podcasts from my bed. And people were like, oh my God, I had no idea. I went into detail about having three cancer scares in, in one year and the constant hospital visits and doctor's visits, but still producing these podcasts because that kept me going. And women were like, oh my God, how were you able to be going through all of that behind the scenes and still being consistent and putting stuff out there? And that's inspired them to go out and do more. For sure. What inspires you the most about what you do? I really like that I'm in a position to influence people in a different way that they never thought was possible. Mm -hmm. Exposing people to new things, pushing people to be greater and better, not in comparison to other people, but better than who they were yesterday. Absolutely. I love that. Um, I also just, I'm so passionate just from my own life and experiences about health and wellness. And as a woman, especially a woman of color, I want other women of color to take their health and wellness seriously too. So anything that I can share that I'm integrating into my personal life, I like sharing that in hopes that I'll inspire other people. Mm. Now I feel like I have an even bigger responsibility now that I've become a mother to a daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's changed the landscape a little bit of what I do. I mean, I've always been true to who I am and authentic, but I'm very, very particular now about brands that I collaborate with and messaging that I put out there and imagery that I put out there because, you know, whatever you put out there on the internet is there forever. But I'm now cognizant of my influence and how that can affect the younger generation who are extremely impressionable. Absolutely. Yeah, I I totally get it. I've got two daughters, so I, I get it. <laughs> I get it completely. Yeah. It's about that legacy, man. It's about the legacy. Yes, it is. So what's one thing that most people don't know about Sasha? I would have to say, because I share so much about my life, I have learned from feedback from my followers that people think I'm so strong. Mm-hmm. Strong, strong person to have dealt with all this adversity. I don't really believe that I'm that strong. I'm like an egg. I have a a hard Mm. exterior, but I'm very soft and malleable on the inside. Yeah. I cry like one or two times a day. Yeah. (laughs) I feel you, girl. I feel you. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I just keep pushing forward. And I think, and you probably feel the same way when you've dealt with so much adversity and challenges. You just learn to just dig deep and keep going. Absolutely. Um, I I have a tattoo on my wrist that I got um, after I came out of the hospital several years ago. And and it started this new journey. And it says perseverance. Mm -hmm. And anytime I'm feeling weak or having a bad day or bad week, (laughs) I look down on my wrist and I remember all the hard times and how much that I've overcome. I have to remind myself because I... I do feel weak sometimes. I'm normal. I'm human, you know? A human, yeah. People see this person and 
they create their own narrative because they know that you may have illnesses that you're struggling with and you're dealing with the breakup, but they still see you going. And because for them, in their mind, they don't feel that they would be able to do it. They don't feel that that's possible right. for but them. But you don't know how strong you are until, until you're in the situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right? what I was just about to say. <laughs> that's ex- like, yeah, exactly I what I was going to say. I single mothers before. I was like, oh my gosh, you're a single mom. How are you doing this? How do you have this flourishing, successful career? And managing, juggling one, two, three kids. I like looked at these women like, oh my God, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, girl, that is me. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. right <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed Roxy Earl, my size Oh rocks. my God, I love Roxy. Roxy. Yes, absolutely. We were talking about how we have to just build that resilience muscle and how all of the adversities are going to come. It doesn't matter how high you climb. It's how you push through those things and, and your strong desire and will for the things that you're passionate about and trying to do, you know, how you're able to keep going. She shared, you know, learning about her father. I don't, I don't recall if it, it was learning that he was going to pass or learning that he had passed. And then three minutes later having to go on live TV um, and still put on that face and do what what she yeah yeah, what what she has to do it's it's learning to strengthen that resilience muscle but having the things around you that help you to cope or the things around you to remind you to keep going like I know for you one of the things that are probably your why and I'm going to say that because I'm a mother and I know that my kids are my why but having your daughter Maxwell be your why why you keep going you know why you keep fighting why you keep pushing your tattoo on your wrist right yeah your tattoo on your wrist is your constant reminder I also have a tattoo on my left wrist which is my daily reminder and it was after I got it after my sister passed away in 2012 because she had a saying love life live laugh and I didn't want to get the words written. So I got the L's into like, it looks like a a shape, but it's my constant reminder to love and to live and to laugh. And it keeps me going, you know, the days where I'm sitting here crying, you know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. One of the listeners wanted to know what advice you would give to a woman who's trying to heal from a breakup. I am going to give the listeners the same advice brilliant advice that was given to me by I could loosely name her as maybe a mentor but uh, Vanessa Kraft who's the editor-in-chief of Elle Magazine Canada mm-hmm. who I look up to she at one point was a single mother as well and went through the trenches and she's obviously the first black female editor-in-chief of Elle International mm-hmm so she's killing it. Um, <laughs> but she reached out shortly after the breakup. And I was like, how did you do this? I feel like I just, I can't go on. I just feel mm-hmm. like my whole life is coming undone. Like, I, and I remember saying to her specifically, like, where the fuck is the fast forward button? <laughs> I just want to, I just want to get through this. I just want to go forward six months from now, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, but that's not it, girl. Like, that's not how this shit works. Yeah. And she said, think of your breakup or this moment in time as the worst friggin' hangover ever. Mm. There's no shortcut to getting over a hangover. You can take Adderall, but that's not going to be strong enough. The headache and nausea is going to come back. 
Right. You just kind of gotta. You just kind of have to live through it. You, you have to go through the, go through the grief stages. And she's just like, just feel all the feelings. Feel them now. Mm-hmm. Don't mask them because that will be the best part of your healing. And nobody had ever told me that. So that's kind of what I did. I allowed myself to wallow a bit if I needed to take a break from work or it's happened on set quite a few times where I've been in front of a camera and 30 people staring at me and I had to excuse myself and just have a a little cry. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, just feeling those things and those raw emotions and just being patient with myself, you know, just being patient. It takes time. And I think maybe because I allowed myself to feel all those feels, I think that I've recovered and gotten to where I'm at more quicker. Quickly. Yeah. I've not yep. done that. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So even when I posted that video on December 31st, like I was fucking pissed. My partner and I were in such a bad place. It was difficult to communicate. We were not even doing the, many of the child handoffs. The man mm-hmm. was doing a lot of it. It was, it was a lot worse than I was leading on in that video. And that was just in December. We're in end of February. And now we are in this really great, healthier space of like co-parenting. The last two or three weekends, we've like had a family outing where we've done an activity and gone to eat and hang out with Maxwell together as a unit. Mm-hmm. You'd ask me if that was possible in <laughs> December. I'd have been like, are you fucking insane? Yeah, I get it. I you get it completely. I mean? You have to, you well, have to go I, through the motions. Yeah, the anger, the hurt, the yes. sadness. It was just like it's like a friggin' roller coaster. But I just let it, let it go. I just let, let it all go. Absolutely, you have to go through the stages of grief. It's like you know, if someone passes on. It's still kind of the the same stages exactly that you have to go through. Thing. Yes, it's the same yeah. stages that you have to go through. And what you said about it being quicker. I had someone message me through Instagram just this week asking, "How am I still?" able to be consistent and to still function through the breakup, knowing how deeply in love I was with my ex. And I said, you know, my breakup before that, I was in such a heavy depression for like six months that I couldn't eat. I could barely sleep. I had stopped doing business. Like life came to a complete halt. And I thought the only time I had ever felt that low is when my sister passed. And I said, you know what, this time I am going to allow myself to feel all the feels, but I am also going to keep going. I am not going to sit in it for too long, but I am going to allow myself to feel it. And I was able to, I'm going to say, come to a place of acceptance after the first three months. So my breakup happened in October and I didn't say anything to anybody. Like I was at an event the end of October and someone was talking to me and I literally just burst into tears. And she was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling well. (laughs) But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not not okay. I'm going to (laughs) leave. But I didn't say anything on social media because I had a flood of messages of everyone saying, hey, you know, we haven't seen him in a while. Everything okay? You know, have you stopped posting couple stuff? Are you going to focus on women empowerment? Like, hey, I don't don't know what's going on. And I didn't want to answer because I wasn't ready to share. I was still in my feelings. But when I came to a place of acceptance, and I'm going to say January, because I watched your video in December and I, I was so inspired. And I thought, okay, I can do that. Like your video inspired me <laughs> because I thought really? I have, I, it, it really did because I thought I have all of these women that are looking up to me right now and I want to be authentic, but I also don't want to disappoint them. You know, I have women that 
not only follow me because I've been able to persevere as a woman who is a single mom, a woman who's been divorced, a woman who is an entrepreneur, you know, all these different hats. But then they were looking up to me saying, oh my God, she was able to find love again after her divorce. She was able to do this. She was able to do that. Oh, wait, they broke up. What? (laughs) So I had a hard time coming to a place where I could openly share that on social media. One, being respectful of the other person because I'm not trying to bash that person. Exactly. But I watched your video and was definitely inspired and thought, okay, I can still share my truth without damaging that person's reputation. So when I made my post in January that he left and people were like, oh my God. So I had more messages in my DMs than I had comments on the post on Facebook Uh and Instagram. But I let them know, like, listen, I'm good now. (laughs) I actually shared this when I went through my stages of grief and I accepted it, I appreciate, you know, all of your offers and, and support, but I went through my stages. I felt all the feels and I'm okay now. I'm good. So you mentioned a mentor. Have you had any other coaches or mentors that have helped you along the way, whether it be in breakup or in business? Definitely one that has been a main player for me in the last few years has been a good friend of mine, Tara Handela. Mm -hmm. who is the director of communications for Apple. Mm -hmm. She has really, you know, helped me navigate and get me to where I am today. I feel like a lot, it's very easy in the social space to get sidetracked Mm -hmm. and forget your why if you are easily influenced by other influencers or other things you're seeing in the social space. And I think it happens to a lot of people. And they forget to ask themselves what their why is, like you Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. And that's happened to me several times in the past. And she's always challenged me to come back to that and always challenged me to, and reminds me to, you know, set those short and medium long-term goals. Mm -hmm. And there's never a time that I've been in her office where she's like, what's Sasha going to be doing 12 months from now? Mm -hmm. What's Sasha going to be doing five years from now? and really forced me to go through that exercise. We actually just had a group dinner and we went through a really lovely exercise, which I talked about on my stories last night. And I think the exercise came from Tony Robbins, if I believe correctly. But we were asked to, one, give ourselves a superhero name, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a torturous task because... (laughs) And I feel like most people have trouble doing that because we are we can pull up other people, but we have a hard time pulling up ourselves or putting ourselves on a pedestal, right? right. So that was one. Two, we had to name three heroes that we have and then name two characteristics that we idolized or adored about those heroes. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting part about this activity or exercise was that we were then asked to turn our cards over, take those six character traits about those three individuals and put the list those underneath our superhero name. Mm. And it turns out that the traits that we admire of other people, we actually have that inside ourselves. Mm. And we just don't see it. Don't, oh, wow. Yeah, it was really powerful. And like, I, I'm like, I, I totally said to the women, like, I'm stealing this and doing this at my next thing because mm-hmm. it was such a simple and, and short exercise, but it was so powerful, I felt. 
There's a lot of, um, I'm going to say, simple exercises that are used in personal development because our minds are symbolic, right? So there's a lot of different exercises that are used that can make a huge difference in our lives. Like when I'm teaching and and doing workshops on self-image, because we have two images of ourselves, you know, how we see ourselves on the inside, uh, how we really see ourselves, and then how we see ourselves on the outside, which is how we dress and how we do our hair and, and all that stuff. And usually some people, it's very conflicting, right? You know, we were very pretty on the outside, but on the inside, we're struggling. And one of the exercises that I learned when I was training is if you look at certain celebrities, they will have almost like an alter ego. So Beyonce has Sasha Fierce. Mr. Rogers had the cat puppet thing where it's their alter ego. So the qualities that they would love to be or that they want to emulate, they pretend to be that person when they have to show up Mm -hmm. so that it it helps them to show up in the version that they want to show up basically. Right. So that they're, but this they're, exercise is basically teaching us that this is how we have to show up every day. Every day. We're called yeah. to do that, right? Yeah. I love it. I love it. With all of the different things that you're doing with business and with the relationship and Maxwell, what does Sasha's self-care routine look like? <laughs> My self-care routine is quite basic. I think people will be like, oh, we expected more from Sasha. <laughs> um, But I feel like I'm deriving pleasure in just like the smallest things because life has just gotten so busy. So just for an example, I quit drinking coffee last September. Oh, girl, I envy you. (laughs) Really? You can do it too. Anybody can do it. I thought I wasn't going to be able to do it. I was drinking three or four cups a day. That's me right now. (laughs) I was getting getting flare-ups again. And my my naturopath is like, let's cut out the caffeine and let's do an elimination diet. And I was like, okay, I was going to cut the caffeine for 30 days only. And I started to feel so good after 30. I'm like, I'm going to do another month and then another month. And here we are now, several months later, and I haven't had a cut, but I've turned to tea. So this has become my new obsession. So Mm -hmm. I give myself 30 minutes in the morning before Maxwell gets up and 30 minutes at night where I just eat my tea and I sit there alone and drink it. I'm not distracted by my phone. I'm not watching anything on TV. I'm not on my computer, not watching anything online. So that's how I start my day of kind of wind down. Journal, I consider journaling and meditation part of self-care as well. I think that's mm-hmm. super important. Somebody, I, I had a just basic journals before, but somebody just gave me the five-minute journal. I highly recommend it, life-changing. Mm-hmm. For me, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, you're so busy. You should like take more time for yourself and go to the spa. And I think people would assume that I would say that's part of my self-care, but going to the gym is self-care. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. <Sorry. laughs> I know people are like, oh, your, your workouts are so like intense. Like maybe you need to do something more relaxing, but that's, they are intense, but mentally that's how I relax because I usually am doing something so strenuous in the gym. I don't have time to think about anything else. So my mind mm-hmm. is just there. And I'm able to block everything else out, if that makes sense. I love that. I would say I do some of the frivolous stuff as well, like getting massages and getting facials, which I mean, my followers are accustomed to seeing me indulge in that too. But <laughs> um, <laughs> that's definitely like a luxury and not a daily thing. But the workouts, the meditation, the yoga, the journaling, the tea drinking, those are things that I do every single day. Oh, and I love to take baths. I love all of those. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so there's this article that I came across in the Reader's Digest, and I'd love to ask all the women that come on the show. And so far, I've been on point, so hopefully won't, I won't disappoint. But it basically says that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. So my question to you, Sasha, <laughs> is what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it like a high heel boot, a running shoe, a walking shoe, a flat, a flip-flop, a stiletto, a, I don't know, a pump, a wedge, a mule? What's your favorite? It's definitely not a wedge, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you right now, it is not a wedge. Um, that's so hard because I feel like there's so many different elements to me. I definitely love, I'm a sporty girl, so I love athleisure and I'm comfortable in sneakers. So mm-hmm. I would say sneaker, but I do love to dress up. So I'm like, I love me a heel. So I would say like, I, maybe I'm geared towards that. I feel like I probably feel more sexier in a mm-hmm. heel. So I'd say okay. like an open toe, five inch heel sort of situation. All right. So those would be pumps. Pump fans are boss women. So be honest. A pump fan, you're a total girl boss and you know it. You're competitive, resolute, and intimidating to those who can't keep up with your pace. This is the most oh mature. Mm-hmm. This is the most mature of all the shoes. It's someone who's caring, efficient, and powerful. They're usually in a leadership role. When everything is falling down around you, everyone will turn to the pump woman and say, what now? And then the pump woman will step in and kick ass and take care of business. Does that sound like you? I see no lies. I love it. I love it. I love it. So before we go to the funnel segment, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online. You guys can find me at Sasha Exeter on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and on my website, which is www.sasha.com. Awesome. So the final segment of the show is called A Walk in Her Wisdom. It's a couple of reflection questions where you just share inspiration, like the first thing that comes to mind. What's one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And that could be money, time, energy. Real estate. Mm. Okay. Um, (laughs) Were you surprised? No, no, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Oh, girl, this is tough. (laughs) <laughs> what I mean am I on the billboard you know what it's totally up to you F- funny story um I'll take this like two seconds so last uh February what was it seven days or six days before my surgery I actually had a billboard in Times Square for my fourth book which is the couple's gratitude journal and uh, I, I I I was not thinking I guess about future. I was very much in the moment and on the billboard, I put a picture of me and my current ex. (laughs) So I I don't know how I feel about promoting that now. (laughs) So so just be mindful of what you would put on a billboard. Okay. Learn from me. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, you know what? If I can envision what I would love to see on a billboard, I'm just going to manifest this because this is kind of one of my goals. Mm -hmm. But I really want to create an activewear collection, a mm. capsule collection. And I also want it to be like a mommy and me collection. So <laughs> I would love to see myself with Maxwell in activewear on the billboard promoting our own brand. Awesome. Somebody else's. 
Awesome. I am believing in that for you to help you manifest that quicker, girl. <laughs> I see it. I see it. I see it. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? I wish more women would ask for what they want. Mm. And I'll explain what I mean. When I was in the corporate world and I had a, I was managing a team of about 11 employees, I always found that the men had no problem coming into their year-end review asking for a bonus. Right. Demanding the bonus that they wanted. Right. And the women never did. The women were always hardworking and they may have, and I've had colleagues say this before in the past too, that they'd left a a mid-year review or a year-end review and was like, you know, I only got a 3% increase or I didn't hit all my KPIs according to my boss, but I know that I did X, Y, and Z, and I know I overachieved and I excelled in my role. Mm-hmm. But they left, they left the meeting or they left the conference and didn't stand up for themselves. Right. And the men just have this sort of confidence and arrogance, even if they didn't meet all the criteria for their key performance indicators, they still went in and still demanded what they want. And because they did that, they usually ended up getting it. Right. So Absolutely. I think, I think for me is that I I would want more women to stand up for themselves and ask for what they want because closed mouths do not get fed. Absolutely. I had, um, I'm not sure if you know Vivian Kay. She's a founder of Kinky Curly Aki. She's also um, a business coach. Yeah, you have to follow her on Instagram. She's hilarious. But I interviewed Vivian and she has this thing that she has been saying for like the past year where she says, what would Chad do? And Chad is that white male that whether or not he's qualified for something, whether however, even if he feels that he deserves the opportunity or not, you know, he is going after it. He is asking That's for what he wants. Privilege. Yes. Yeah. He, she calls it the white man audacity. Um, but her, her saying is, what would Chad do, especially as black women? And I was at a I black woman. I, I listen, listen, that is in my head all the time. Everywhere I go, what would Chad do? What would Chad do? But I was at a, a Black women in media event yesterday and Kathleen Newman, she's a journalist. She was talking about the same thing that you were saying about not asking for certain things because they're not going to give you anything. She said she was in a position with a major media company for 10 years and never had senior in front of her name. Like there was no being promoted. You know, you weren't recognize you weren't even appreciated and if you don't ask you don't get so she ended up leaving and, and doing something else but like you said it's it's really important to ask that ask yeah. is very important wow thank you sasha i totally totally appreciate you and like honestly i i think you're my new bestie because i resonate with everything so you said I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to come on here and share a little bit more about myself and connect with you and connect with your audience. And now I have a new bestie. Yes. I will be all up in your DMs. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing for now. (laughs) And to all of you faith walkers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms and rate the show and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Join the community of faith walkers and sign up for our newsletter at awalkamystilettos.com and be sure to grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you can think of one person that would receive value from Sasha's testimony, please share it with them. Share it with a family member or friend that needs to hear it. And be sure to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram, Sasha Exeter. 
and I am at the Real Makini Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs>